Holy One, we bless you. Lord God is able, not was able or will be able, but present tense, is. Sister Glidell was talking about in Exodus, I believe it's in 4, where Moses said, who shall I send, say sent me? When he was talking uh, at the burning bush and was sending them to the children of Israel, and says, tell them, I am that I am sent you. And the actual Hebrew rendition of that is, I will be whatever I will be. I'll be whatever I need to be for you. Hallelujah. And he's still the I am. Hallelujah. He has not changed. We bless your precious name. Turn to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 24. And you have come to Jesus, the one who mediates the new covenant between God and, angel and people. I'm glad he's our great mediator. We don't need to go anywhere else. We, can, we come to him. He's a mediator of the new covenant. The, we talked about that last week. He's the go-between. He's the umpire. He's the uh, one that joins man with God. Hallelujah. Blessed be his name. And to the blood, unsprinkled blood, which speaks of forgiveness, instead of crying out for vengeance like the blood of Abel. Now let's go back to Genesis 4 and find out what he's talking about. See, I take nothing for granted. I don't assume you know what the New Testament is talking when it's talking about an Old Testament thing. Is that all right? I like to fill in the blanks. Because that way it has more meaning and you can understand what the New Testament is saying. Because the Old Testament gives you the examples that are, you, that are explained in the New Testament. Blessed be his name. Genesis 4, starting at verse 1. And Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain. The word Cain means, or his name means acquired. She said, I have gotten a man, and it's the Hebrew word ish, which means a man of a high degree. Not just a physical man, a biological man, but a man of high degree. From the Lord, from Jehovah, who is, in fact, it's another definition of the I am, and, and actually Jehovah is the fact that the one who was, is, and is to come. The eternal one. The ever coming one. Our God is eternal. He was before anything else was. In the beginning, God. New Testament also tells us that he was slain before the foundation of the earth. Foundation of the world. He was already slain. It was always already God's purpose. God created man 
And he knew he was going to need a redeemer. Knew he was going to have to have the shed blood of Jesus Christ to take away and remove sin. Not just to cover it, but to remove it. Hallelujah. And she again bare his brother, Abel, which means vanity. Hmm. How'd you like to have a name that not vanity? Bless your Lord God. And Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller or a farmer of the, uh, uh, of the ground. And in the process of time, at the, uh, in the, at the end of a period of time, it came to pass that Cain brought the fruit of the ground and offering a gift offering. One of the things as in the Old Testament is that they would bring, uh, a, when they brought a, a bullock or a, a, a burnt offering, they would also bring a gift offering or a, a meal offering of, of the fruit of the, of the ground. So he being a, a farmer or tiller of the ground brought the best that he had. He brought it to him. He brought it to the Lord. Brought the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And Abel also brought the, the firstling of his flock and the fat thereof. That also is a foreshadowing of the first fruit offerings where they in the uh, Passover, they they brought in the sheaves, and they, that was the first, uh, it was the barley harvest, it was the first of the ground they came out, and they offered it unto the Lord. We should always offer unto the Lord the best that we have. Too often, I'm afraid, we give God leftovers. Well, we always need to give to him that which we want to keep for ourselves. Let me just put it that way. We want to keep the best of who we are. Well, that belongs to God. Give it unto Him. Verse, verse 5. But Cain and his offering, oh, excuse me, uh, verse 4. I'm sorry brought of the firstling of the flocks and the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect or honored unto Abel's offering and his offering. But unto Cain's and his offering, he had no, not respect. And Cain was very wroth and his countenance fell. Now, Adam was Cain and Abel's father. Adam knew about the shedding of blood cover sins because that's what happened right after they were uh, cast out of the Garden of Eden there when he said he covered them with skins that means that he the Lord took and offered a animal of some sort there was a shedding of the blood it was twofold to give them something to clothe themselves with but also shedding of blood that would cover their disobedience. 
without the shedding of blood, there is no remission, no removal of sin, no payment for sin. The word remission means to pay something. When you have a bill, uh, when you have a electrical bill, they say, please remit, please make the payment. And the payment for sin is someone, something has to die and shed his blood. Thankfully, the Lord Jesus did once for all, and his blood is, like we learned last week, is better blood because it's set, made, set on a better covenant and better promises. Hallelujah. Everything about God is better. Blessed be his name. Let's continue here. And the Lord said unto Cain, Why are they wroth? Why is thy countenance fallen? If thou dost well, thou shalt not be, thou shalt not be expect, uh, accepted. What he was saying in all reality is, if you bring a blood offering, you bring an animal, you'll be accepted just like Abel was. Because Abel knew from his... See, there's nothing that tells us this, but I would think that Adam performed priestly duties for the family. Because otherwise, they wouldn't know. It was something that was set in motion from the very beginning. He saw God do that, so he picked it up. And being the father of the family and the priest of the family, he became the officiator. I think that's a principle of God. And I don't think that, that does not fly in the face of the things of God and his pattern. So that's a likelihood. It doesn't say, but that, that's uh, an assumption I think that would be uh, held up. Let's continue. It's, uh, it says, verse 7, If thou dost well, thou shalt not, uh, shall not be accepted. If thou dost not well, sin lieth, or uh, is crouched at the door. And ye shall, and, uh, and unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. It says, the enemy is at the door, the sinful one is at the door, and he's waiting for you. The enemy is always trying to, he's called the deceiver, uh, the tempter of the brethren, the accuser of the brethren. He's always trying to get you to do something other than what God would have, want you to do. That's, it's called temptation. Do you really think that you think of these tempting things by yourself? If your mind is set on God, there's less temptation. Well, we'll get into that a little bit. Blessed be his name. Let's continue here. But also it says, even though sin is at the door, crouched at the door, he gives them hope and says, but you can overcome him. From the very beginning, he was telling us that we can overcome sin. 
Blessed be his name. And God hasn't changed his mind. You understand that? That was from the very beginning. He said, you have the ability to resist the enemy. You have the ability to resist sin in your life. Verse 8, And Cain talked with Abel, his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against his brother and slew him. And Jehovah, verse 9, said unto Cain, Where is Abel thy brother? And he said, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? The answer to that is yes. And he said, What hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. That's what it's speaking of here. The voice of the of Abel, the voice of his blood, cries out for vengeance. Jesus is comparing, or the writer of Hebrews is comparing the blood of Jesus Christ, which removes sin, and the blood of Abel's blood, which cried out for vengeance. What's, our, what's the spirit within our life? Are we praying for forgiveness? people are we praying for vengeance on people Hebrews 11 4 out of the Phillips translation says that because of his faith that Abel was made a better sacrifice to God than Cain he had the evidence that God looked upon him as a righteous man who gifts he could accept and though Cain killed him, yet by his faith, he still speaks to us today. If you do what's right for, before God, you will be acceptable. Thank you, Lord. Hebrews 9.22, And according to the law, almost all things are purified with blood. And without blood, there is no remission or removal of sin. Payment of the debt. Hebrews 12:15. Looking diligently, lest any man fall of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness spring up and uh, trouble you, whereby many be defiled. See, it's bad enough that the root of bitterness will defile you. But the reality is the root of bitterness will defile everybody you touch. Because out of the, I'm getting ahead of myself, but out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth speaks. If your mouth is full of bitterness, guess what you're going to speak? If your heart is full of rejoicing and healing, guess what you're going to speak? James tells us there's power of life and death in the tongue. The tongue is a very powerful instrument. Life and death. If you're speaking bitterness, you're speaking death. Amen, Brother Chuck. Yeah. Okay, thank you. If you're speaking the nature of Jesus Christ, you're speaking Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, the nature of Jesus Christ. 
The difference is stark. Blessed be his name. The Amplified says, See that no one falls back from and fails to secure the grace, God's grace. We have opportunities, weekly if not daily, to pick up offenses. If you're living, people are going to offend you. Some intentionally, some unthinkingly. But God. And it's your choice whether to be offended or pray for grace for them and for yourself. Too often we respond in like manner as, as opposed to reacting as God would. Help us, my God. Is there a cry for vengeance in your heart? Matthew chapter 5. Starting at verse uh, 5, which first um, 10 verses are the Beatitudes. This is a, starting the Sermon on the Mount. And this is basically, these 10 verses are basically Kingdom 101. This is how we are to be, hence be attitudes. This is the attitude that you're to have. To walk in God's grace. And it's only God's grace that allows you and enables you to do that. We do not do this naturally. Verse 5. Blessed are the meek. The term means gentleness of spirit, humble, mild, free from retaliation. Blessed are the ones who are free from retaliation, for they shall inherit the earth. The heavens are the Lord's heavens, but the earth he has given unto the sons of men. This is our inheritance. Vidal and I have been seeing these advertisements for all the different geological things that are in Utah, all these uh, national parks, and they're absolutely stunning. And both of us said almost at the same time, we got to go there. They're absolutely stunning. And it's one of those things that, oh, my God. And he just took his finger and did this. In fact, one of my, my wallpaper on my 
computer is one of those arches, stone arches. And I didn't know where it was. I said, Lord, where is I'd like to go actually see that. And then I saw the advertisement, and there it was. It's in Utah. Blessed be his name. So one of these days, we're going to go Utahing. Just to stand in wonder of our God. See, too often we take him so much for granted. When he's done all this, made all of this, but just for that reason that we would say, Oh my God, only you could do this. And in man's attempt to belittle and minimize God, is, Oh, it's billions of years and the water did this, and you know. yeah. Try another one. And just appreciate the glory of the God that's exhibited throughout his creation. Only God could do this. Only a mind of God could do all this. All the beauty, all the uh, magnificence of all the creatures of the earth and in the sea and in the air. Just, I stand in awe of all these things. We, we love to watch nature programs and stuff and just see all the different animals and penguins and so forth and so on. And I was just watching one of them and I said, only you could put that imperial penguin with the little streamers in the back. And I said, you know, when you're used to normal penguins. And so I see this other one. I said, wow. And then to watch all that they do. How they waddle. So sometimes I wonder. Never mind. How far removed we are from penguins that time. But anyhow, I digress. Blessed Lord God. Drop down to verse 38. Matthew 5, 38. Again, you have heard that it has been said unto them of time of old, Thou shalt not uh, forswear thyself, but shall... Uh, oops, that's, two, that's 33, I'm sorry. My numbers in my Bible are getting smaller. <laughs> you have heard that thou hast said an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, but I say unto you that you shall uh, that you sh resist not evil, but whosoever shall smite thee on the right, so on right cheek, turn to them the other. Now that is tough as nails. Because our first reaction, and it's not necessarily, you know, a, not only just a physical slap, but it's emotional, verbal, whatever. Our first reaction is to do what? Retaliate. To defend ourselves, to make, you know, to make excuse for ourselves, whatever. It's an automatic thing. Is the nature, natural thing to do is defend yourself. And God says, "Don't defend yourself. Just yield your other cheek. 
the reality is, as you read on there, it says, if you defend yourself, I can't. But if you allow me to defend yourself, to defend you, I'll defend you a whole lot better. Blessed be his name. I'd rather have him as my defense than my own defense. Blessed be his name. Now we continue here. I say unto you, excuse me, verse 40. If any man will, will sue you at law and take away thy coat, give him thy cloak also, the inner coat and the outer coat. So I'll compel you to go a mile, and then you should go twain. Verses 2. The Roman law was, and the Jews would take, and from their doorstep, they would go and walk out a mile and put a marker, and go out and watch the other way and put a marker. Because... The Roman law was if a Roman soldier asked you to carry his backpack and burden and so forth, you had to do it for one mile. Okay? What is Jesus saying here? Carry it the mile and do it without grumbling. And then, for my sake, carry it another mile. See, he knows you have to do the one mile. But in the second mile, why are you doing this? Because I belong, I'm a soldier of the army of Jesus Christ. And he's told me I should bless you by taking it another mile. Give you a whole mile to witness. Because you did what you're supposed to do. Now you're doing beyond and you can witness to him. People expect you to retaliate or do what you have to. But if you do beyond what you have to, that gives you opportunity. Why are you doing extra? Because that's what the Lord would do for you. Anybody can do the minimum. That's what's expected. But God gives you grace to do more than what the world can do. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Verse 43. Give to him that asked thee, and from him that would borrow of thee, turn not away. Oh, Lord Jesus. I won't go there. I'll just let the word of God speak to you there. You have heard it said that thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thy enemy. But I say in you, that's what the world says. I said, love your enemy, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you and pray for them that despitefully use you and persecute you. Are you kidding me, God? Kingdom 101. 
did I misread that? Is that what you're really supposed to do to your enemies? You're supposed to bless them for crying out loud? Surely not, God. This must be, I want to look it up in another translation. Surely i got to find a translation that says, just do back to them. Yeah, you do. In Satan, chapter 5. My God. Verse 45. That you may become the children or the sons. It is the term, uh, Greek term, huos, which means full-grown, mature son. This is how you put on sonship. You bless them that curse you. You bless your enemies. You show a godly nature. Be cho- uh, chosen sons of your Father, which is in heaven. For he maketh his sun to shine on the evil and on the good, and his sendeth rain upon the just and the unjust. 46. For if I love them that love you, what reward have ye? Do not the, the publicans, do not the, the natural heathen do that. And if you salute, receive joyfully your brethren only, what do you do more than the others? Do not even the publicans do so. Remember the term publican was tax collector. Whereas normally were Jews working as an agent of the Romans, which were hated. So using the term publican was a great insult. They were considered lowlifes, traitors. Even the publicans do that. Be therefore perfect, even as your Father, in, which is in heaven, is perfect. It's the word teleos. To be brought to an end, to finish what is wanted. wanted. N- nothing short of complete. Says, do what I desire you to do. Do what I would do. Be complete. Be filled up with my presence, with my nature. Romans chapter 12. Blessed be his name. Starting at verse 17. Recommends to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. Not just when the pastor's looking. In the sight of all men. See, if you practice doing good all the time, you don't have to worry about someone coming and inspecting. Well... If you're doing what is honest, a good report, all those things, if that's your practice, you'll have no accusation that has any merit. doesn't mean they won't accuse you, but you'll have no accusation that is of any merit. And people will say, well, that doesn't sound like him. Well, let's continue. If it's possible, 
as lieth within you, live peaceably with all men. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourself, but rather give place unto wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord, saith Jehovah, the everlasting one. Therefore, if thy enemy hunger, feed him. If he be, uh, if he be thirst, give him drink. For in doing so, thou shalt heap coals of fire upon his head. It bring shame to him. Be not overcome with evil. Be not defeated by evil, but overcome evil with good. <clears throat> Relatively simple. Overcome evil with the nature of the Lord Jesus Christ. Which is the nature he's giving us. It doesn't come natural. Except to him. But we have to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. Here a little and there a little. Layer upon layer. Putting on his nature. We would like it to be. You know. Lord with a magic wand and pluck us over the head and said, full grown, perfect in my sight. But that's not what God's... See, if, if that's what he did, we wouldn't appreciate his goodness. Wouldn't appreciate the overcoming and the, the labor it took. See, when... Let me just do something simple. How many, well, I won't ask. All of us have had situations or uh, problems or habits that we've tried to overcome. Everybody? Was that easy? I'll answer for you. Probably not. But what did you do? You cried out to the Lord and said, Lord, line upon line. Help me, Lord. Give me grace. Continue to... Lord, I, I messed up here. Forgive me. I want to continue to walk in your grace. Anybody been there? And what happens? And you come to a sudden reason, uh, down the road, you come to a realization, hey, I don't do that anymore. I used to react this way. But <clears throat> God has given me grace, <clears throat> excuse me, and given me ability to resist that evil and not walk in it. God has given it to you. We've all tried doing it in our own strength, and that hasn't worked very well. I'll say amen for you. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I will repay. I will requite. I'll take care of it. Well, let me go on. In Galatians 4, 9, it says, But now, that thou hast known God, or rather are known of God, how turn ye back to the weak and beggarly elements, wherein ye desire again to be in bondage. Once God has delivered you from something, why would you ever think of going back under bondage in it? 
Why? Why return to the pit? Continue to walk in what God, in his God's deliverance. But part of this beggarly element, and just one instance, is in fact walking in unforgiveness. And then I've said this so many times, the your unforgiveness towards somebody doesn't affect them one whit. They could care less. They could care less that you're angry at them. They could care less that you, you froth in the at the mouth whenever you see them or hear of them. It doesn't bother them at all. But they are controlling you. They're controlling your emotions. Controlling your purposings. Everything that you think about gets filtered through that unforgiveness toward them. And God says, I have release for you. Forgive them. Turn them loose. Turn the, the hurt loose. Turn the harm loose. Give it to me. And he's the only one that can heal that hurt. We've tried it. We've all tried it. Again, how does that work out for you? It hasn't. That's the problem. There's only one source of freedom from, from unforgiveness is that you're released into God's hand. That person, that situation. Blessed be his name. This Melchizedek or New Covenant Kingdom Priesthood. The Word of God in Revelation 1 says we're to be kings and priests unto God. That's what he's called us to be. Not just someone that sits in a cushy chair at church. We're to be somebody's priest. Bring the word of God and the light of God and the life of God to someone else. All of us are somebody's priest. All of us have somebody that's looking at us because we're different than they are. And they want to know why. And it's simple just to tell them it's a person and his name is Jesus Christ. He's who is the one that makes me different. This new covenant kingdom priesthood has the ministry of uh, forgiving uh, in a forgiving spirit, forgiving everyone of everything. We cannot minister what we do not uh, have not experienced or practice. A new covenant priesthood is one who practices forgiveness of ourselves and others. First thing we've got to be able to do is forgive ourselves. Pastor, you don't know what I've done. Yeah, that may be true, but I know someone who does. His name is Jesus Christ. He says, I'll forgive all your sins, the Amplify says in, of Hebrews 1, and remove all your guilt. What plagues us is the guilt for what we have done. And that also is what, what the enemy plays on and says, because you've done that, you've done that, you've done that, you've done that, and that's who you are, who you are, who you are. And the Lord Jesus says, when you go to him and say, Lord, forgive me of such and such that you've already 
he was being guilty about. He says, what are you talking about? I don't see it on your record. Your record has been expunged, removed. There's no record of it. Why are you still walking in the guilt of it? You're accusing yourself of something that I don't know anything about. And if he doesn't hold you guilty, why are you? We've got to come to that realization. When we ask forgiveness of our sin, God removes it from our record. There is no record of our sin. That's what the blood of Jesus drives. It cleanses us from some unrighteousness. No, all, all, A-L-L, unrighteousness. Blessed be his name. Blessed be his name. That's why we can go to him and ask forgiveness and then walk in freedom afterwards saying, I'm no longer guilty of that. Blessed be his name. Matthew 6, 14. For if you forgive people their trespasses, their reckless and, unwill and unwillful sin, leaving them, letting them go, <clears throat> and giving up resentment, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Wow, that's a mouthful of the Amplified. Forgive people their trespasses, their recklessness and willful sins. There's two opposite ends there. Some people just do things accidentally, and others did it on purpose. Can you have the grace to forgive both? My God, speak to our hearts, Lord God. Leaving them, letting them go. go back, don't go back and visit those things. If you're visiting those things, you never have let them go. You never have truly forgiven them. Because part of your forgiving is letting them go and not letting them bother you anymore. It's like it's like when you get you get a sore on your hand or something, and you keep picking the scab off. My mom always said, "Don't do that. You're going to make a scar." What it does is the scab. <laughs> I saw that. <laughs> what the scab does is it seals it off in germs the outside atmosphere. And when you scratch it off, you're opening it back up to the possibility of infection. And that's what we do when we open back up things of unforgiveness. We're giving, give not place to the devil. A place the devil jumps on is unforgiveness. If you don't want to have trouble with the devil, don't give him place. Forgive and release. And you'll be surprised that eventually the Lord will let you forget that that ever bothered you. Well, some of you believe me and some don't. 
But that's the word of God. Now, what's the other part of that? You give up the resentment, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. The other part is verse 15. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, their recklessness, their willing, willful sins, leaving them, letting them go, and giving up resentment, neither will your Father forgive you of your trespasses. Hmm. Does that say what I think it says? I will forgive you. It says a little later, it says, I'll forgive you as you forgive others. And King James says it that way. I mean, Lord, my forgiveness depends upon how much of your forgiving nature is in me. As long as I hold somebody guilty for something, I'm being guilty. God will hold me guilty about something. Why? Because he wants you to forgive everybody of everything. Blessed Jesus. Chapter, uh, at Matthew 7, 2. With what judgment you judge, you shall also be judged. And what meter you meet, shall you also be measured to you again. Think about that. What standards do we hold forth to people before we'll let them be into our inner circle? Do they have to, do you have your little checklist? Well, they got to do this and that. They got to be this kind of person and that kind of person and so forth. Building up walls, impenetrable walls to protect us from being hurt because we let somebody in with that particular thing and they hurt me. So no one's going to hurt me again like that, so I'm going to build up this wall. And what we don't know is we're also building up a wall between us and the Lord. Is that what that says? I don't know about you, but that makes me want to be able to be accepting of anybody and everybody. Because I want the Lord to accept me just as I am. Not as he's going to make me and he's conforming me to his image, but just as I am right now. With all my lumps, bumps, and warts, I want him to lay hold of me and work in and through me and remove everything in my life that's not conformed to his image. <clears throat> Blessed be his name. Ephesians 4, verse 29. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only that which is helpful in building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit 
with whom thou art sealed. The word is to mark with a seal, to confirm, to authenticate. Mark of ownership. You're sealed by the Holy Spirit, which says, this is God's property. Other people may not be able to see it, but the most important one does. That's, well, two most important ones, God and Satan. When we bear the seal of ownership of the Lord, that means keep your hands off. And the only way he has entrance into us is if we walk in something ungodly. That gives him opportunity and opening. Well, so if we walk in unforgiveness, we're kicking the, the doors open for the enemy. We're giving him permission. How many want to give Satan permission into your life? Well, if you don't forget others, their trespasses, their recklessness, their unwillingness, leaving them, letting them go, and giving them up, neither will the Lord forgive you of your trespasses. I can't let go of that. Back down to Ephesians 4.31. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, uh, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate one to another, forgiving each other just as Christ forgave you. Let me ask you this question again. Is there any sin that you have or have had in your life that you say, well, God, it's all right if you don't forgive me of that one. But when you're holding someone else, he said, I'll forgive you as you forgive others. If you're holding malice or something against somebody else, you're saying, Lord, I want you to have malice against me. Is that what it says? Very plain, I think. God help us. God give us grace. And I'm not minimizing the hurts that you have, you've had. I know they're horrendous. Some of you are very traumatic. But if you ever want to be healed of that, you have to release it to God. Release the unforgiveness of that to that person. Give forgiveness to that person. Walk away from your cry for, your blood crying for vengeance. John the Baptist said this to the Pharisees in Matthew 12, 34. says, Brood of vipers. He wasn't very silver-tongued. wasn't a gentle speaker. How can you, being evil, speak good things? Good, good question. What we're harboring in our hearts is not godly. will be expressed. Again, out of the abundance of our heart. Blessed Jesus. Our heart speaks. That's what he says there. James 3.11. Doth the fountain send forth the same place sweet water and bitter? 
want to flip to John chapter 7 a second here. Verses 39, uh, 37 through 39. In the last days of the great uh, day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on or into me, according as the scriptures have said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. And this he spake concerning the Holy Spirit, which they that believe on, on or into him should receive. For the Holy, Ghost, uh, Holy Spirit has not been yet given un, unto them because Jesus had not yet been glorified. Well, I tell you what, he's been glorified now. So the Holy Spirit is available for all of us and to walk in him. And because that Holy Spirit, that, that living water should, that uh, should be flowing within us, let's, put it, let's say it this way. Just like as James said, you can't out of the same place have sweet water and bitter. For whatever your expression is, to other people, if you can hear this, flows over from the innermost being, flows over all that is in you and gives expression to it. Often we try to clean up our acts, but every, every time we're being, putting on a false face, presenting something that we are not, something we're hiding, it will be expressed. And the, lo the Lord loves us enough to put us in this situation that for what is hidden will be exposed. And though I know we don't like to hear that, that's not a good feel-good message, but the Lord says, I want to show you what's in you so I can help, so you can repent of it and be rid of it. Would you rather be plagued with that for the rest of your life or would you rather give it to him, ask forgiveness, and let him get, bring freedom in your life so that no longer is part of you? It's your choice. It's your choice. You can walk in bitterness and anger and malice the rest of your life or you can give it unto him and walk in freedom and peace well last scripture here second Peter starting at verse 20 for if they are escaped with the pollution of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and they again entangle themselves and, and overcome the latter as end, end is worse than that at the beginning. The Weymouth translation says it this way. For after, after escaping the pollution of the world through full knowledge of the Lord and, and Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, people who are once more entangled in the pollutions and, and overcome the last state of them is worse than the first. 
if once you know the goodness of God and turn back to what you used to be, your state will be worse than you ever were before. Verse 21. For it had been better for them not to have ever known or had knowledge, full knowledge of the Lord or the ways of righteousness than after they had the full knowledge or acknowledged it to turn. That word means to intrinsically make a decision and turn away. It's not just an accidental thing. It's a purposeful thing. turn from their holy commandments and, and, and deliver them up. But it happened as it, according to the true proverb, the dog has returned to its vomit and the, the sow or the female pig that was washed under her uh, wallowing in the mire. I don't want anything within me. I have... Lord, help me not to have anything within me that desires the things of the world more than the things of God. I do not want to return. This is a serious accusation here. It says, if knowing it and then you return, you allow yourself to be entangled, tripped up, and in, in, uh, cased with the things of the world again. been better for you not to have known that. Does that mean that you're internally lost? Don't know. That depends on them. But the, the, the thought that's there is that they are so entangled again, worse than they were before, they're not even thinking toward God. Well, that to me is eternally lost. So for the sum of all these things is that simply this. Don't allow, don't be depending on Abel's blood, blood of vengeance. Don't be carrying those things Allow God to free you from your the prison of your unforgiveness. For God is able. Why do you carry a burden that He has carried and He's removed? Why are you still carrying on that? Why are you still allowing that? to hold you back from the purpose of God. For the very simplicity is this. I'll forgive you as you forgive others. So as long as you hang on to that bitterness and unforgiveness to someone else, you're walking in it yourself. God will hold things against you. Well, that's not fair. I was hurt. He's given you a release. He said, forgive him. How hard is that? Oh, you don't know. Well, maybe I don't. 
but he does. Last time I checked, he still has nail scars, still has lashes on him. He carries the marks of our sin. He who knew no sin became sin. Thank you, Lord God, that we might walk in the righteousness of him. He took upon him a nature that was never his so we could take on a nature that can never be ours. Let's stand, please. Lord, we ask you truly to come and seal this to our hearts. Lord, let these, these words penetrate us, my God. Lord, as the psalmist says, Lord, see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the paths everlasting. Lord, you've given us the pattern. You will forgive us as we forgive others. And Lord, we thank you that you have forgiven us and continue to forgive us, my God, as we release those that have injured and hurt us. Lord, it's because you want us to walk in the freedom that we cannot know unless we do the peace that we'll never know unless we release them to you. All that you purpose for us is for our good always. So Lord, let us walk into your goodness. Let us rejoice, my God, in the freedom of release of forgiveness. Seal these words to our hearts, my precious one, and let your name be glorified. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, can you say amen? The Lord bless you. See you on Wednesday night.